0: iHeartRadio, Black Excellence.
1: So Welcome to our first discussion of Black Excellence from iHeartRadio Canada. So this is pretty dope. We're going to start with... I thought it would be fun to talk about our influences of Black music and Black culture and how it kind of uh, played its role into our lives and where we're we're at now. I'll tell you mine. When I grew up, I grew up in a very West Indian complex. Uh, A lot of Trinis, a lot of Jamaicans, a lot of Guyanese. And I used to have neighbors who would have the massive speaker boxes in the garage blasting dance hall. So that was kind of really my first although my dad will play Calypso and stuff in the house,
2: mm.
1: my first real you know entrance into any sort of Caribbean black culture in the in Toronto was my neighbor's blasting dance hall from the garage and this is like 1994 1995 that's you know nice. like five, six years old, seven years old. Um, and that's mine. So I want to know. What yours is.
0: Can you imagine your first introduction to the culture is all the slackness? Oh no, not joking it was, every though.
1: word for word. Don't know what <laughs> no I'm saying. No, it's,
0: it's Under like,
2: the sycamore tree.
1: So this, I don't know so so what's this is who
0: we are.
2: Hazalea, <laughs> oh, do man. you know if they were Jamaican or what? Who are they? They were Trini.
1: They, they were trini, okay. So yeah. you're getting a good
2: mix. You're getting a good mix. Exactly. It was like mm-hmm. all the
1: pepper seed rhythm, and then <laughs> and then it would randomly like remix into like a chutney song. But <laughs> wow, <laughs> right?
0: They made it work.
3: They made it work. They made it
0: work. That's what's up. That's what's up. Exactly. Well,
1: well, I, that's mine. I think mine was always like soca and dancehall.
0: Well, you know what? You know when when you're black or when you're of the culture, the music is part of big part of the culture you know I grew up in New York City and much like you Azalea you know our city is like Caribbean culture is much of the backbone of of the of the life but also the strong hip-hop culture you know like New York just is like a in a way and I don't want to use a word that's from Louisiana to describe New York but it kind of is that way it's like a gumbo of all these different cultures that come together and get squeezed together in this one tight place everyone's kind of taking flavors from each other so you got the hmm. the dance on reggae culture you got the soca culture you got right. the Latinos with the the uh, salsa merengue and all, all the bachata but then mm. you know you also have you know African American cultures with the the mm. jazz and r and the soul and all that and all that stuff is just squeezed like on one block in New York City you might hear blaring out of a win- or different windows like 10 different genres of music. And as you walk from crib to crib, you're hearing all this music. Right. And that's really how I grew up. You know, obviously my house was blasting all the Bob Marley, the the dance. On Sunday mornings, I'd wake up and... I'd wake up literally to the sound of our house shaking, like brrr, 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 because my dad's bass in his, on his system you know, uh, was hitting so hard. But it was between that and the smell of my mother frying her plantains. So I yeah. knew, mm-hmm. yeah. I, was, I was like, it's Sunday morning. Breakfast yes. I cook and the music I play <laughs> downstairs. You know understand? Like? And it you know that you're that- about
1: to start cleaning too. Literally, I, I'm, <laughs> okay. I,
0: I'm, I'm grabbing a broom or a brush or something like that, and it's and going the, smell the, the smell
1: of Dettol in, yeah. <laughs> yes. in the air.
0: Smell of Dettol and Ajax. Yes, yeah,
2: Mixed lot.
3: But you don't... know,
0: the, my, my, but I credit my parents, you know, for just exposing me to music because you know, music was always in the background of everything we did, and that's how, you know, as black folks, we know who we are when we hear the music you know you hear these little subtle things like the language how we talk words people use topics people are talking about and you start understanding this is what's on the mind of our people so um yeah that that's my influence of, of black culture just hearing music everywhere in the neighborhood and in the house
1: and how does it influence your life now
0: this is i mean this is what i do for a living now i mean it's crazy i kind of tell people sometimes that like i didn't realize that just growing up, I was going to school for my career. Like Mm -hmm. all the things I do right now, like I'm a DJ, I'm a radio personality, I produce, I'm actually kind of like a little musicologist, but my schooling in music and the culture was just growing up, like just growing up black. That was my my education in music, learning about Michael Jackson, hearing the name Quincy Jones, knowing about Peter Tosh, and, yeah. you know, uh, Bob Marley and the i3s and, you know, watching my dad watch his reggae Sunsplash VCR cassette tapes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's when I knew once I got to a certain age, I needed to get there. You know, yeah, what I'm saying like, yeah. um, you know, th- that told me who I was, but it also ultimately told me where I was going, because even though when I was in university, I had done everything except music. And at some point I was like, what am I doing? This is not what I do. I do music. Right. Mm, And then at some point I decided that that was the direction I was going. And when I got into radio, I said, you know, this is what I bring to the table. I'm a musicologist from time. I've been DJing, you know, basement parties from I was a youth before I was old enough to do those things. You understand? So like that, how I grew is who I became.
1: And even now as a father, I saw that you posted on Instagram. Kofi is able to pinpoint and know who's on, who's on the screen. He yo knows do. he knows this
0: Bob my little three-year-old knows Bob Marley and actually requests Bob Marley at this point and it makes me so happy that's so that, like that I've indoctrinated him
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, but that to me circle. is like that to me is like so important right and and we all have Caribbean roots like first generation Canadians uh jamar I know you're you know from the states or whatever but mm-hmm. it's kind of the same thing but that that's what I think is so important and, and almost fascinating about the Caribbean culture in terms of music. Like it's very eclectic. You know, you said earlier on, you know, Azalea, your dad will play Calypso, the neighbor neighbor will play the dance hall, you know, but, the, you know, R&B, all of that stuff. Like I just remember growing up, I could hear my dad playing anything from Bob Marley to Eric Clapton, but at the end of the day, it's just like, mm-hmm. it, it's good music and the good music will always be around and always survive. And that's, you know, It's one of those things when you think about black music and black artists, how many decades it's spanned and how many people have been able to kind of get into the culture and and take pieces of it and sustain for themselves or create a new genre. Like it's always just imprinted into the fabric of culture, not black Mm -hmm. culture, not white culture, not Hispanic, just culture in general. And that's Mm -hmm. the beautiful thing about it. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, similar to Jamar, you talk about the big sound system. That was my introduction as well it wasn't like I wanted to be you know a big hip-hop superstar I always just wanted to be a DJ like Mm. when you go to you know parties you know around caravana times and and you would see like there are no rappers here you know the spotlight (laughs) is on the DJ and the MC so that kind of gravitational pull is what actually ultimately got me into it but it was a very similar story to Jamar where it's just like You grow up and you're in a certain neighborhood and you're exposed to certain songs, but then you're exposed to other songs. And then I think another part about it being from Toronto and growing up in Toronto with our particular culture in terms of music was you had to be eclectic because we had guys like, you know, starting from scratch, for example, who would just literally show up to any party like and just be able to play any format, you know, and the open format policy so to speak was almost like similar to what you were saying it's kind of like this toronto dj indoctrination where you kind of had to be versatile but to be honest most of which what moved everything came from you know the caribbean and hip-hop culture here and that's that's just what was cool that was what was in and that's ultimately what exposed you know people like myself to get into it and like jamar said like you know fast forward 20 25 years later this is what we do for a living now you know and i wouldn't take it for granted nor change it for the world because it comes with all of these things but at the end of the day sometimes you just have to kick back like what we're doing right now it's like this is really fun and i can't believe that you know we're all just making a living do what we want to do right
2: now we're blessed
1: and what who are the artists
3: oh geez like break it down personally it would I, oh gosh it would have to go like from genre to genre i mean my thing i i, I kind of made my splash in the media business as a hip hop dj right and i toured you know all over the place as a hip hop dj so a lot of the influences for me i would have to chalk them up to like hip hop you know uh obviously guys like biggie uh Nas was one of them as well wu tang was big the, the list like 50 you know my 50 and dipset and like the list goes on and on But then also from the other side of things, when it was like there was a time where I was like super into dancehall and it was like around like the millennium, like early vibes days, like early vibes cartel days and like elephant right. man and bounty dark killer skin and, li- ooh, dark skin yeah. vibes cartel still dark yeah. skin <laughs>
1: yeah yeah
3: so you know it, it was it, it like that's the thing about being a dj it's very difficult to just kind of pick one who's like oh this person i left out jay-z yeah. too i can't do that i can't do that but it's all but it's, <laughs> but it's difficult one. to be like this person whereas like I, I i look at influence and eras you know what i mean like I'll hear a record and it always take me back to mm. this time in my life and what I was doing. And obviously, you know, when I'd started, it was similar to Jamar. Once again, it was like DJ house parties and that, and there, and it was around the cusp of the millennium. So like anything from that era it's just like that playlist just runs. Cause it's, it's all good. It's all good times, you know?
1: Right. And before going over to Leia real quick, I know Jamar also used to have posters. You said on your wall of Janet Jackson, <laughs> Mary J. Blige. Yo, the posters, Janet Jackson,
0: Mary J. Blige, Jade, I had um, Brandy, Monica. I mean, these were just people. Every day, I woke up and saw their faces every day. They were, of course, they were the all
3: women, too, right?
0: <laughs> I mean, I mean, well, you I mean, know, you had the little Kim poster. Stop lying. I mean, I, mean, I had the little Kim poster. That one was behind the door because I didn't want my mom to see yeah, that. You know what I'm saying? But yeah,
3: yeah, yeah.
1: We know which poster. We yeah, know
0: which we do, one. We do exactly. The black, the black experience, you know, is just the music is not a passive thing is an active part of your mm. daily routine is yeah. an active part of your of your your mindset your waking up i mean we walk with a bot you know what i'm saying It's usually you know to some of your favorite music and the attitude reflects how people are feeling the songs reflect that too mm.
2: for sure yeah your experience yeah i just want to say we have natural rhythm you know, because it's ingrained that's in true. us from the very beginning. <laughs> so like, we walk with a bob, we really do, because we have natural rhythm within us. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's that's so how it works.
2: So my experience, um, <laughs> a little different from the rest. Okay. A little different from the rest. I actually grew up amongst a predominantly white community. I grew up in Richmond Hill, and my dad made it a very strong point to let me know where all of the roots of music came from. Because mm. according to him, the root of music, just in general, is Black just Mm. Black. So when you hear country music, when you hear rock and roll, you think of Muddy Waters, you think of Little Richard, Mm. right? Um, So he made sure that that was a staple within us understanding the origin. Uh, When it comes to reggae music, we didn't get right into Bob Marley. My dad wanted us to know the very roots of Jamaican reggae music. Mm. So he uh, lists Dennis Brown, Gregory Isaacs Mm, 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 Um, yeah mm, like the real OG and like he made mm, sure for us to understand like yes of course Bob Marley um is remarkable and his um influence all over the world was remarkable but Jamaicans deep down mm, Dennis Brown was their guy and he really wanted us to make sure that we understood that Gregory Isaacs as well
3: and what was Uh, what Jamaicans love Kenny Rogers too don't they they, yeah, they,
0: but Jamaica is love country just, music. Is this a
3: joke? No, it's yeah, it's real talk. Know, country music is big in Jamaica. No, it's, it's crazy. Big in Jamaica, it really but we is. know the
2: roots of it too. Yeah,
3: yeah I just teasing. My girl, this <laughs> my girl. Black,
2: and when I grew up, also R and B was such. Luther Vandross was my dad's like was staple. my time when I was growing up. Staple, staple, uh, staple. staple. In the eighties, late eighties, Luther Vandross. That's when Whitney Houston was coming up as well. Um, Tony Braxton was my dad's little crush. So Ooh. we heard a lot of her and saw a lot of her. But yeah, PLC. just the OGs of the base of these genres of music. My dad made sure that we understood where everything was coming from. Because if, if it wasn't for him, to be honest with you, who knows, I, I, was, I would be loving off Britney Spears and sing Backstreet Boys, which I did oh. love. But I do know the base of where this R&B music comes from, where country music comes from, where rock and roll comes from. He made sure that like we just understood everything. And, and uh, just, I'm so grateful. It was their influences too.
1: Influences let me just interject here, here as well,
3: because I feel like, sorry, we, we, we've, we're, we're leaving out a large era, like the funk era, when you're talking about like George Clinton, or Earth, yeah. Wind and Fire, you know. Yeah cool in the gang James. like Rick, mm-hmm. like that if we're talking about like kind of the parental stuff like that was kind of more of my dad's vibe my dad used yeah. to like to go out and like you know have a good time and party mm-hmm. uh and th- that was the soundtrack to his adolescence the same yeah. way I was talking about a couple a couple moments ago like if I go back to like you know 50 and Dipset and you know all that kind of stuff that was the soundtrack to mine right so but just coming up, yeah. Just taking that lineage from your parents and just like what they yeah. listened to, and they because I feel like they just had a they just had a better grip on what real music and good music they did. sounded like because there wasn't all of these other distractions. You know, like we live in an era where you can literally do everything under the sun except music if you want. Whereas yeah. they came up in a time when it's like you know TV was kind of limited, but that was the new internet medium. You know, so like more often than not. You'd either read a book or you'd listen to a tune, you know? And not only that,
2: they were around when genres were developing, right? Like, RP, soul, all of these genres were developing while my dad was growing up. That's remarkable as well. And, like, we are in the era of where hip-hop, hip-hop is a young genre, right? That started in the 80s. I mean, Mm -hmm. yes, it comes from all the genres that we just mentioned, but hip-hop as itself is still developing, and so we're in the midst of that right now. But but for okay. their roots is you know they've seen multiple genres develop within their childhood.
3: Let me just ask you something. At this point, right? Do we still think hip hop is a is a young thing? Yeah. If we're talking it's about the eighties, one of the latest nineties,
2: real genres.
3: We're talking what? I mean, in the grand scheme of, things, it, scheme of
2: things, it is. I
3: mean,
0: hip hop is is young, but it's also old because like. You know, mm-hmm. when you you know hip hop as a very dedicated, recognized genre, you could say '80s. But as something that was developing and bubbling, you could go to the mm-hmm. '70s and be like, "Yo, these cats were taking like disco records and cutting That's them true. up and finding breakbeats." And it wasn't quite called hip hop yet. I but include it was kind that, of hip hop. You know, I what include
3: saying? that because if you go back to the parties in the Bronx where it all kind of started, right? Like, what I'm saying is it spanned over five decades, right? Now, obviously, other genres of music were around before hip hop, but with the cultural impact that hip hop has globally, yeah. mixed in right. with the fact that it is a very fast game to get in, meaning like you may have a record today, and you as an artist will be out, and no one cares about you. Yo, you know what? We're gonna do like a Trinidad James, and I hate to say it because we have a Caribbean talk right now. How funny. You, <laughs> but How funny. What I mean is, it's a way. fast game, right? So in and out. In and out, whereas other genres, they may have more time. So while I feel like the genre has been around longer, there has to be something to be said for that like kind of like time travel, time frame in the Mm -hmm. hip hop culture. And the only reason I bring that up really and truly is because, like, we're at a point now where we're able to see a guy like LL Cool J, who essentially, for all intents and purposes, kind of defined the genre. Mm -hmm. Right. And he's still around and he's still getting his flowers. Mm -hmm. We're looking at Mm -hmm. Jay-Z, who's 50 years old. Mm -hmm. still around getting his flowers Mm -hmm. so i'm just trying to say like if if the rolling stones could go out on tour and sell it out and jay-z can go on tour and sell it out can we still call hip-hop a young genre do you guys you know that's a very good point James. that's a very good point but
2: i would argue that the reason for why it's so fast paced and switching through and and continuously evolving is because it's considered mainstream it's what we consider popular music now, so that's yeah. where everybody is, you know, trying to be, and where everybody is, you know, if their introduction to music, now if their introduction is now, their introduction will be hip hop because and it is oh, the mainstream genre. And, and Leah so also because it has because to be evolving be, quickly, it has to.
0: But also, there's two things about hip hop that make it so um, mainstream. Number one, it's very accessible, like any kid yeah. right now. Even though hip hop is a is a Black and Latino birth genre, like, Anybody right now could go get a machine or download an app and just start doing some hip hop from their it's bedroom true. in Alberta or yep. whatever. It's like yep. not anybody can. You can't really access bagpipes like that. You know what I'm saying? Like if you want to do some <laughs> well, not even music. the
3: bagpipes. You don't have to take it to that extreme. Even if you buy a guitar, it doesn't mean you know how to play it, right? Like you're still right. gonna have like like hip hop. You're right. It's one of those things out the box, mm-hmm. like that that software developers and are they're like catering to 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 consumers who may be able to download it online. And then, like, for instance, you know, I always said I wanted to be, uh, be a DJ, like around when I first started, Fruity Loops had just kind of came out, right? Mm-hmm. And Fruity Loops was like, you open it, you download the software from LimeWire or whatever, <laughs> and you, oh, yeah, exactly, and you open it up, and then w- within 30 seconds, you can make something, like some sort of percussion that sounds like a hip hop beat, right? Yeah. So it's very user friendly in that way. So it's no surprise that the music form has has become as global as it has. But also there's an element too with the culture. Like we're talking about fashion, like a lot of stuff that is now is only thanks to like, you know, hip hop, like acts like Kanye West, for instance, Kanye ushered in a brand new fashion for yeah. like urban environment oh, right 100%. prior to Kanye it was all, it was uh, i was looking at pictures of myself i was like man we grew up in a terrible era for fashion it's like raggy, where, raggy. It, it was just dirty you know yeah, like big like, big no, big, no
1: big. Oh, man that it was terrible shooting, that was right? it
0: kanye yeah. west Not on his women, own though. said I, no i'm a dress he said
1: but i'm going
0: jersey dress dresses were a time jersey dresses oh my god azalea azalea what jersey dress did you yeah. <laughs> rock
1: I had
0: that Vince Carter one. I had a
3: blue one, but I don't even know what team that was. I know
1: it was blue.
3: Nuggets mm, might knows. have been the Carmelo.
1: I was oh, just Carmelo. My jersey dress.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, true indeed. But like, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> but, but when you think about it, right? That 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 cultural shift when yeah. Kanye came in and it was like, okay, we're wearing polos and we're doing, and people were initially like, nah, that's kind of weird. But you got to think, anybody who was under the age of like ten. Who grew up and their first favorite rapper was Kanye was never going to dress the way Fifty did, no. right? They were they were they were you know heavily responsible for for shifting the culture in that form. And now if you look at it today, it's like you know Amiri and I'm like, what is all this stuff? I don't even know what this stuff is. I don't wear none of that stuff, but I'm just trying to say like it's bigger than music and the accessibility of the music and the fashion and the culture. Going back to what we actually first started talking about which was like can we still call it a young genre has huh. definitely accelerated like you know the the time because sometimes it takes long for something to have the same amount of impact you know what i mean whereas yeah. hip-hop has only been around here for half the time and let's say yeah. it's like the blues or whatever yeah. but it's got double the impact you know so, so i think there's no tangible yeah, way to for, measure it sure. but you can just kind of use the eye test and be like Hold on a second, you know? Go, going back
0: to the, the the influence of Black music on our personal lives and on the lives of people that consume, you know, I can't really speak for any other genres outside of a Black experience, but I will say Black music is such an active, like you can't, like when, when you're Black and you're involved in the Black music scene, it's so active. It, perme- it, it It affects so many things about how you dress, how you talk, what you're thinking about, what you do when you wake up. You know, uh, it's, it's, I, you know, I would, I would need other people from other genres to speak on it. But for this experience, I will say it is an active process. Like if you're into this, you're not just halfway into it. It's who you are.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm
0: saying? That's why, like when certain things happen, you know, I was hearing, you know, on the radio, on my radio station, you know, when they were playing TLC Waterfalls, they would play the version without left eye
3: yeah, and that went
0: without left eye's verse, the rap in there for whatever reason. Right. And that might go over a lot of people's heads, but when you're talking to a hip hop head, that's like, it's like, what is happening? What is going on in here? It's like, that's what I'm talking about the active um, consumption or the act, the practice of being part of the black music culture It's like that cannot slide. So I was like, yo, we got to put that verse that has to go back in.
3: Yeah, that's like, you know what? So (laughs) I I think I think this is important to kind of shift the the conversation into mainstream media because, A, we're all part of it and B, you know, it's a pretty hot topic. What you just said right there is one of those things that behind the scenes I've had to, like, educate myself on as well to be like, well, why don't we do this? And I'll give you the example. There was a Selena Gomez record that came out with ASAP Rocky, however many years I ago. It was, it was yeah. good for you. Good for you. And as soon and and, and at that point, like ASAP Rocky is now the mother or the father of Rihanna's child. Let's keep that in mind. All right? Wow. Uh, so so he wasn't exactly a household name, but he was household enough right. to get on the Disney Girls record, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And that doesn't just happen behind the scenes if nobody knows who he is or whatever. So he was at a point of cultural impact. And I remember adding the record and playing the record and listening to the record while I was on my show. And I'm like, why are we not playing the ASAP Rocky part? And Mm -hmm. a a part of it was because when I was teasing the show in the business, you tease, you say, you know, six minutes we got a new one from Selena Gomez and ASAP Rocky. So I teased it that way, but behind the scenes, they'd made the call to not air the rap version of that right so right. then it's like okay why are we not doing that i don't understand we're supposed to be eighteen, thirty. 30 like 18 year old know who asap rocky is right anyways you kind of slug up that hill and you get some answers and then maybe you have some influence and and you persuade them to do it in that case it was it was it was done Also, our demo was a little different from you know some other stations who may not do that but mm-hmm. the mainstream media conversation i think we we should have right now because it's an important one to have is uh surrounding the super bowl hmm and what's going on with the NFL in regards to this lawsuit, mm-hmm. right? Um, so for those that don't, there's a lawsuit going on basically against prejudice hiring practices, mm-hmm. right? Saying, you know, people of color, BIPOCs or black coaches, they don't get a shot to become coaches. And when they do, it's never fair. Mm-hmm. So there's a guy who's, who's suing the league for that. My thing is with the halftime show now, mm-hmm. right? You have Mary J. Blige, Kendrick Lamar, Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre. And Eminem mm-hmm. right all except one are black performing artists right mm-hmm. last year or how in recent memory I can only think of Maroon 5 mm-hmm. and Justin Timberlake who were the only non-black performers at the NFL Super Bowl halftime show right the question is when something like this is happening to the league mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What? How do you think that should be approached from a halftime show perspective? You know what I'm saying? Like during Black History Month, by the way. We have, during Black History Month, you know,
0: like it's no, it's no secret that you know in corporate settings, you know, blacks are regarded as as just entertainment. You know what I'm saying? Like, and and blacks aren't really the stakeholders in terms of power or the or the shot callers because we don't own the broadcast uh, entities, we don't own the the teams, we don't own the league you know, the ownership really isn't in the hands of the people that are pushing the co- the culture forward. Hmm. And this is why a lot of these decisions are made. Like, if the hmm. owners of radio stations were people who are actually of the culture, you could never omit left-eyes verse from waterfalls. True. You get what I'm saying? Like, it would just, yeah. would, it wouldn't even be a discussion. Like, she's dead. <laughs> and it's like yeah. one of the greatest R&B songs of all time. So... Um, this is what you're talking about is a classic case of like, um, who has the power and who is whose power being exerted on?
3: But, okay, um, so hold on a second though. So if let's say this, let's say uh, basically what I'm saying is, yeah. I think to send the right message, all five of those acts should be like, you know what? We're not doing this.
0: Yeah. Right, Um, because now all of it, you
3: got how much? But hold on a second. You hear me out, though. How Mm -hmm. much money has been pumped into marketing and advertising the Super Bowl halftime show? And for all intents and purposes, that will be the show because the game doesn't look that exciting anymore. Not with who's you know. No disrespect, but the game doesn't look that exciting anymore. That's the first thing. And the second thing that you mentioned was in terms of like ownership. Yes, we understand that, and that's exactly what the lawsuit is about. However, Mm -hmm. the product, which is the players on the field. 70% of them Mm -hmm. are black. So if they decide, you know what, we're we're not doing this. Like when you go back to the Colin Kaepernick thing, believe me, I understand it. Right. I understand it. There are guys, you don't, I don't know anybody's personal scenario. Some people may have to get out there and they have no choice because they have to make money because they have whatever. And some people are at a position where they're like, you know what? I've made enough money. I can sit this one out. There wasn't, there was, there was low key support for Colin Kaepernick. But it needed to be high key because if it was high key and those 70 yeah. percent were able to take that knee, a lot would have changed. Right. So I'm just trying to say, like, when we're talking about culture, the um, the most influential culture on the globe, there's there are opportunities to have that shift. You know what I mean? There are big opportunities to, to kind of have that shift. And when you're talking about, you know, corporate settings and, you know, taking it more seriously from a person of color perspective, these shifts need to actually shift in order for that shift to shift. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm just simple. trying to think about, like, how many opportunities do we need to be able to recognize yeah. and execute in order to get it you know, done? Maybe Same. the Super Bowl is not the right time.
2: The, um, but- the amount of times a discussion like this has come up is endless. Right? like we had this we're uh, sorry we've had this with the nfl before where we're asking you know perhaps if we all united if black people actually united and and decided that this is what they're going to do the impact would be immeasurable right we know that we said that when it came to like clothing brands that seem to be you know either disc- discriminating against us or like sending out a degrading message we said you know if we were the ones to stop buying from them mm. then it would send a huge message and a lot would be changed but in terms of unifying, it's difficult, right? This discussion is is not new. It's probably gonna continue on and on again. I, like Jamar said, it's probably not gonna happen this year where they're gonna unify and decide to not perform or unify and decide not to get on um, on the field and not play.
3: Well, um, I don't, sorry, I, I, I don't know that, here's the thing, here's the ace for me, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. I know Dre and Snoop are big business. Eminem couldn't care less. Mary J mm-hmm. Blige, I don't know enough about it. I know Kendrick has 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 some level of conscious philanthropy because he's built mm-hmm. his brand on that sure. mm-hmm. So my ace is maybe he's the joker and maybe he pulls something off that gets people talking like maybe he's looking at it uh, rather than boycott it and not perform maybe he's looking at it to use the opportunity to kind of have that shift which I was talking right. about right yeah, they don't have to do that to,
0: to, to, to I mean no. It's a good discussion. And, and the timing is kind of really interesting that that hap- that's happening and that they're while you know, it's happening, you know, it's so, crazy. So they're going to have to use the. Op- I think if they're being conscious that they need to use the opportunity. I mean, you know, J-Lo used her opportunity, um, Shakira, you know, to talk about Latinas um, and, and the, yeah. the Latin, you know, the the, the voice of Latinos and, and, you know, the immigration uh, debate. I mean, if we're going, we're going to be about the culture on the big stage. This is this is a, a really good topic to, to 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 highlight and shine.
1: And this is a way to bring the audience back to the NFL as well, because wasn't there a boycott for you know a long time? Everyone was saying that they're not going to watch NFL anymore.
3: Um, yeah, that music. was the color, That was the Kaepernick era, well, right? right. Oh, yeah.
1: So, bringing I think these legends in hip hop music you know to the halftime show people are going to watch people are going to tune in same thing with the weekend people tuned in for it you know what i mean cuz the this is the, these are the people who hold the power
0: yeah you know these and, are and, people
1: who have the audience and but what we be a, a call to action there though right back like, to your sure original back
0: happen. to your original question for us about how black music influences our lives and impacts yes. us <laughs> there it is no like but like i i want to go back to that that's a very big question what people need to understand is like Black music is active. I'm gonna say it again. It's an active process. So you know, people be like, "This is not the time for it." Our music is about what time it is. That's right. what our music is about. It's always you listening to it. our music. You gonna hear what time it is. What we thinking about? What we're talking about? What What okay. are we talking about in our kitchens? What people are talking about in our car ride? What are we What are we all you know in our feelings about? So right. it's not. It's you know, you, if they do make a point, dames, to use the stage as the time to talk about the coaches um debacle with not having representation you're gonna have those people be like this is not the time for it why are you getting political but what people need to understand is when it comes to our music this is what time it is (laughs) yeah that's true all the songs are about what's going on right now and if you're gonna consume the music you're gonna know what time it is right now you're gonna know what we're feeling that's what the music is about
2: And And You can ask them, if now's not the time, then when is? When would be the appropriate time to bring up (laughs) these political issues that you so-call political? Meanwhile, it's social issues, and it's the issues that affect us daily. Um, Yeah, that's always the question back to them. When is the proper time? If not now, then when?
0: But you you can't be, I mean, I'm not saying you can't be, but it's going to be hard to be Somebody, because everyone loves hip hop at this point, you know it's global, like you said, dames. It is the culture. It is pop culture. Listen,
3: even if you you don't, some people may hate. They may, you know, there may be prejudice or racist or whatever. There, you can't, you can't mistake it and you can't miss it. You know, mm-hmm. Justin Bieber, yeah. Justin Timberlake, like oh, yeah they're all, like they all, they all, all has by a certain oh, sound, oh. and it's you're always able to recognize it. That's not saying every artist. Like even Ed Sheeran, man. Ed Sheeran's ahead. Like if you watch some of his on the break, he's ahead. He knows, yeah, Ed Sheeran's right? a dancehall man, yeah, bro. Ed Sheeran's a dancehall. You know what I'm saying? Like. So he's got he, it's true, though. There was a there was a little Caribbean. There still is actually Ed Sheeran, the last with the Shape of You record. And then Hell he did yeah. the record with Justin. Bieber. Those are like all like dancehall rhythms this guy was bringing you know, to the forefront. Shape of You is
0: big in the dancehall, bro. You Huge. might get that. <laughs> <Huge>. you, might, <laughs> you might get that cranium <laughs> remix of the yeah. of, of a Shape of You. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, man. You course. know, so
3: whether the, whether you recognize it, you know, consciously or subconsciously mm-hmm. at some <laughs> point in regards to music and music and specifically, and that's, you know, we went off on a little bit of a tangent with the NFL, but it's not really because it's all tied back to the music. All mm-hmm. it, it all ties into the and back to the music. So there's there literally in 2022, there is no way to escape it, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: And I love the conversation that was brought up about uh, clothing and fashion when it comes to Ooh,
3: uh, H&M. not H&M. even just
1: like hip hop, but we can talk about if we're going to talk uh, Lisa Left Eye Lopez. Remember, she used to do the condom in her glasses.
3: Of People course. were doing she, that. Yeah. normal yeah <laughs>
0: she she put that that's why she was left eye she'd have the condom on her left eye <laughs> right and yeah. then of course
1: and then there's alia you know she had the side swoop everybody's doing the side swoop didn't matter if you're a white brown yellow whatever purple you were in a set, side swoop yeah. and set then the the trend.
3: Set exactly the trend. i
1: think that like the fashion is very notable I and mean, we i feel like we it's huge it's huge
3: like if you think (laughs) about it right if you if you go back to 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 the early origins of like uh, we're using hip-hop as as an example just because it's probably the most mainstream black form of of art right but if you go back to hip-hop in where it started okay uh it started it was it was kind of like it was it was a cool art form, but there wasn't any money in it. Then when the money started coming around, i.e., the record labels and stuff, what started happening right away. It was it was flashy influence, there's big chains, there's nice cars, all of that, and that's just carried out throughout the entire thing for good or for bad. But what it does is it pushes the masses in a direction. If all of a sudden they say we ain't wearing uh, like Kanye tried to say, we weren't wearing Jordans anymore. I it didn't really work, but <laughs> He was able to build up another shoe company, another brand over there, and he was able to, you know, garner those eyes and get those eye. Oh, I like the Adidas stuff, whatever, right? So, but it's all of it comes from hip. I like much respect to Tom Brady. He can't do that, you know. Tom Brady can't make me want to buy or wear something. Like it's just, it, it, it's not. Look at the
1: stuff that people has Kanye wearing. Uh, Kanye has people wearing.
3: Right, like and th- but the thing about it is, every company and every marketing agency knows, and every advertising agency knows is if you want to sell and push product, yes. whether that be retail, whatever the product is, get somebody on board. And Snoop is a great example. James, no, no, uh, no will take no, money no. from a he'll sell you anything. James, you know? that's your point though. Like if you talk about Michael Jordan, I
0: mean, hip hop really made his shoe what it is. Like hundred percent,
3: when, 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 hundred percent. When, when the
0: when Jordan's kicks came out. The Jordan commercials with Spike Lee, um, yeah. you know, running around Brooklyn or wherever the hell, hell they were. And they were doing all those right. hip hop commercials about Jordan. Yeah. Hip hop brought Jordan like basketball owes hip hop.
3: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And hip hop owes basketball, like vice versa. Right. Because vice you're talking about Jordan in terms of the shoe. But, but going back to like my era, it was Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson was like mm-hmm. he was the he was the blend of mm-hmm. hip hop. And basketball, mm-hmm. and look at listen to the girls. Listen to him. Two thousand three, two thousand three, two thousand three.
2: But he crunch. was he big was crunch.
3: really like the the actual like poster boy unifier between the worlds hip hop. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and then when it happened, you know, they had to figure out how to coexist. Like there was a time when. They banned the chains and they oh, banned yeah. the do rags and they. No, Jordan public. wasn't
0: really down for hip hop like that. You're right about that. He wasn't like a hip hop head. Outwardly. Yeah, but the but sneakers were the sneakers, the
3: sneakers were hip hop. But, but but Alan but Allen Iverson, Iverson was like a he was like a hip hop artist on. playing basketball. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? And, and I, but you think about it, and yes. you think about where the game is twenty years removed from that, right? Mm-hmm. And I have to give credit to the NBA because of all the organizations, that I think they get it. And I don't work there, but this is just my perception. I think they get it, even with well, the they, black. They Lives now about- get it
0: because they were forced to, like, exactly. right? It, it, was, it was jammed yeah. down their throats. Like, they were right. They but were they telling. Had they, had they were telling ballplayers like, "Pull your pants up. Don't wear the long shorts." And they're like, yes. "No, we are hip hop heads. We yeah. wear baggy clothes." Yeah. Like, we but at some drugs. point we're we're wear these headbands. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> right? What I'm
3: saying is, like, from a corporate level, at some point they were able to recognize the cultural influence of the, the lifestyle, the, you know, the the urban lifestyle. And then when they had aspirations to grow the game, it only made sense to continue to merge the two cultures. It's like, you got something growing exponentially over here and they want to attach themselves to you. Why are you going to put up a bridge? Instead of just growing with them, and I think they were able to get that right. And not only that, when you talk about percentages of you know minorities in the league, it's not like that. Like they're able to recognize, look, man, if all of these guys decide to sit down, what are we gonna do? Like the the Milwaukee Bucks decided they weren't playing last. Uh, was yeah. it last year? Yeah, that they was just two, they were like, was like
0: two years ago or?
3: yeah and that was a real stand like was it was like moment. look nah i'm not yeah. feeling this we're not playing this there's too much social injustice happening and we're not, and there was there was no reprimand from the nba in regards to that they sat and then other teams sat and they took a stance and i like the fact that the, the the players in that particular league and organization are able to take the stand and they're not bottled up or bottlenecked because these guys are big brands like when you're talking about some of this stuff LeBron and all these guys, like they're huge global superstars. So to have them have the platform and be allotted the platform to protest, whether it's Black Lives Matter or taking the knee or, you know, whatever they're doing, there's there seems to be a bit of a give and take there, which I think is the proper way to do business in 2020. And I think a lot of other companies, not just sports companies, but corporate companies, big corporations all across the planet need to like, look at that business model that the NBA has and figure out how they can create a culture that can strive and, and kind of work in that way.
1: So to bring it back to the question and the impact of our lives, I think one more time, we should go around and just say exactly kind of, um, if we could, not elevator pitch, but just kind of like bring it all back together. So I'm going to say for me, that influence at such a young age and dance hall culture and uh, Caribbean, well, I'm Caribbean. I'm Trini. So The Caribbean culture is obviously huge in my life, but it kind of grew into this form of me not being a DJ like you guys, but still finding a way to make my way through um, the Caribbean community here. So I'm involved so much in so much of the Soka events that are happening around the city um, and, you know, Toronto Carnival, because for us, um, you know, the, the, like The Black influence here is Marshall Montano, Kess the Band. You know, we have all of these things, especially around Christmas time. We have Sprinter. We have Baron. So these are all influences that are in my life every single day. So not a day passes where I'm not listening to one of these artists. Uh, And I think that that's how it came full circle for me. So not a DJ, but still found my way to figure out how to incorporate this music into my life all the time and uh, also make a paycheck out of it.
0: Absolutely. I would definitely say by uh, at some point in my life as an adult, I realized that the music I was listening to as a youth really was just telling me who I was. That's the impact it had on my life. Um, My music taught me about where I had come from, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it be my Caribbean roots, whether it be um, growing up in the U.S. or just, you know, the Black experience from Mm -hmm. the shores of Africa to North America. You know, music was one of those things that just taught me who I am personally and in the in the the landscape of the, the people I'm a part of so it that's a, that's a major influence because when you know who you are then you make decisions based on who you are which mm-hmm. have become my career decisions so that that's the impact it's had on my life
3: you never know where life will take you you know but i think if you it sounds cliche but if you have something that you enjoy and you're passionate about it just follow it you know and i didn't know that being a de- like when i was a DJ in high school. I didn't know that. I never thought to myself that I could like be a professional DJ in real life and just like only be a DJ. I always thought like DJs had like other jobs and all this kind of stuff, but no, it's true. If you can just kind of buckle down, set a vision for yourself and really push towards it, you can get where you need to go. And sometimes you don't know where you need to go, and that's why you're just along for the ride. But music has taken me so many places. It's taken me all across this country, it's taken me in the states, it's taken me you know, overseas and that, and I've had a great time. I've had a lot of great nights, long nights, fun nights. Like it's been such a ride. Uh, so that, that to me, you know, it, it, an echo in Jamar's, you know, sentiments. Cause I feel like both he and I had very similar trajectory and a similar path as we mm-hmm. kind of made our way to where we are professionally. Uh, but yeah, I just grateful for all the opportunities this provided and just looking forward to, you know, what may come next.
2: I would say, uh, Having my father explain to me the roots of where music comes from and um, the origin of everything instilled confidence. I mean, I was surrounded by, you know, um, faces that didn't look like mine, skin color that didn't look like mine. So I wasn't completely encouraged um, to see, you know, greatness in myself and others around me, my siblings. Um, But to understand that, you know, at the base of where great music comes from was Black people instill confidence in myself, just knowing that I was black, you know, and that I could create something as great as these black people in our history have created. So confidence is, is what I would say I got from my black roots, my black understanding and my father, just making sure that I had the confidence that I needed to grow up in this country.
1: And all the good memories. Like, I feel like a lot of the music also just, we have all of your, we're just like, wow, that's actually, I think
3: I met Azalea on a boat cruise. (laughs) We <laughs> here. Yeah, yeah, I'm dead-ass. <laughs> Who hasn't met Azalea on a Green boat <laughs> yeah, No, it wasn't even Caravan. It was just one of them little, like, <laughs> parties. Like, I, don't, I don't remember which Did one, one it was. called um, there was a time that no somewhere? I was DJing those parties I was like DJing the company, yeah. like for the com- so I was literally like doing like three four boat cruises a day right, right? and I think it was one of yeah it was but it wasn't it but, was but like there used to be yeah but there used to be some parties that were better it was like it was like uh, I meet J you at uh, Jester parties and and... Die, <laughs> Yeah, probably uh, that sounds uh, you too Jamar? I was probably
1: dead meet at Soaker yo you
3: don't under no, yo no Leah Azalea. doesn't understand <laughs> Azalea is like the poster child for I love Azalea yeah yeah
1: yeah, well,
3: I don't know parties. Me right. I mean, yeah, I would do, like salt. Yeah, it's good though. <laughs> nah, but, nah, it's good. No, to be honest though, but we ain't, we ain't give you guys enough props either, man, because what you guys are doing in the space right now, you know, both Leah and Azalea, you guys are, you know, you're trailblazing right now. Like, you know, Leah was mentioning how she grew up in Richmond Hill. There weren't many faces that kind of looked like her, that kind of stuff. And that's the story pretty much throughout, you know, maybe not so much in the greater Toronto area, but throughout the country there may be people or or young girls who are are looking at it like that and for you guys to be doing like you know mainstream media uh working on you know top 40 stations and hot ac stations and then azalea i know you're doing like you got your own thing going on with like all the blog to stuff like i just think it's really good and it's it's perfect representation as well right like it's time for some of this stuff to 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 shift And, and being that you guys are you know Women of color, not only just people of color, but women, or it's like a double whammy of barriers. So yeah. you guys need to be, you know, bigged up for, for the roles that you've taken on and you're putting up in this space. And uh, you're inspiring to a lot of young girls who are looking up to you guys. So keep up the good work. No
2: doubt. Wow! Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow! Thank you. Yo, awesome. Leah, that's yeah. all you're yeah. gonna get from me. Eh? I know. First
3: <laughs> that, that, that last time he was gonna say
2: something that's above the fold.
3: Recorded and <laughs> it's recorded. <laughs> you better write this date I down. That one. Uh, watch it over else. and over again. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I didn't choose violence this morning, y'all.
2: <laughs> no, you didn't. You chose <laughs>
3: peace. appreciate you. You chose <laughs> peace and love.
1: Thanks for listening to the very first of our Black Excellence Discussions. Thanks to Jamar McNeil, Leah Abrams, and Dames Nellis for sharing their influences with me and all of the incredible conversations that came from it. I'm Azalea Hart, and stay tuned next week for another discussion just like this. Don't forget to subscribe on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.